0: Whether you're stuck in a rut, grinding all day, or just ready for a change, checking in with ourselves is a necessity. This is Goldmine Talks Podcast, where I'm your host, Miranda Rodriguez, and I'm here to help you dispel myths about mental health, give you tips on improving and maintaining your peace of mind, and give you some free game on personal development. This podcast is in no way a substitute for professional mental health treatment. Hey guys, I'm so excited to be back. I fell off, but it actually was not my fault this time. I have basically been operating from a very old MacBook that I got in my undergrad years. And um, yeah, recording was pretty much impossible. Um, I don't know if you guys caught it or not, but in the last episode, there were a few times where my conversation with the kids would like cut off or it would just like completely switch to a different topic, not because I'm a terrible editor, Um, just because my system was literally overloading like every 30 seconds so we're back in action and I'm so glad you guys are still here with me this month I have been super excited if you follow me on Instagram then you are already on the journey with me but I've been super excited to talk to you about something that I'm very passionate and something that's very close to my heart I have been wearing my social justice hat right there's a lot going on and I'm not wearing my social justice hat because of everything going on, but because July is actually what we now call BIPOC Mental Health Month. So in the previous years, July was known as Minority Mental Health Month. Um, But I really like what this organization, Mental Health America, I really like what they're doing, and they're moving towards calling it BIPOC Mental Health Month. BIPOC stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. And basically what that means is it's just a way more inclusive term for everybody who would have been considered a minority. But when you think, I always wondered who the hell, do we call white people the majority? I don't know. I've never referred to them that way. Um, But why the hell we got to be minorities for? That sounds rude. I really don't like that word personally. And so that's why they came up with the acronym BIPOC. It sounds a little weird, takes a little getting used to at first, but... Um, I really like that it's more inclusive and I'm sure it's not perfect. I know it's like a newer term that has come up in the um, mainstream, but it is a step in the right direction. And so I'm really grateful that they're coming up with a more inclusive term to talk about an issue that really affects everyone, regardless of whether you're black, indigenous or a person of color or not. With that being said, when I was doing my research for this episode, I actually came across the Mental, Me- Mental Health America website, and they came up with an amazing toolkit. It's called the 2020 BIPOC Mental Health Month Toolkit, where they just break everything down. Like, what is racism? What is systemic race- racial trauma? How does it affect Black people? How does it affect Asian people? How does it affect LGBTQ people? And like they really went in and they didn't even have to do that. So what I'm going to do, basically the information that I'm sharing with you is not my own. I didn't go pull this research out my ass. I actually got it from their website. Um, and so I hope you guys find this helpful. I'm going to be super informational. I'm not going to try to throw like a whole bunch of statistics at you. I'm going to try to keep this as educational, informational, conversational, all the as possible. Um, because I think this is great information that a lot of people have an idea or an inkling about, but they they don't really know. Like they're not really well informed. And of course, you guys know me. This is my jam. So, let's get started. I have notes and all. You guys know I don't even be writing notes for my episodes. I just be winging it. Like that's how you know this one is important. All right. So, let's talk about the basics. Racism. Mental Health America defines racism As the combination of race-based prejudice and power. Without the power differential, one group has more power than another. So racism is just prejudice and carries less weight and fewer consequences. Systemic or structural racism actually has three components and that's going to be history, culture, and policy. So historical racism provides a framework for the current racism that we see today. Any structure built on a foundation, i.e. a constitution, uh, of racism will be a racist structure. Were all men created equal? Who said that? Why aren't y'all acting like it? Anyway, culture, which is ever-present in our day... While they have great verbiage, whoever came up with this toolkit... Culture, which is ever-present in our day-to-day lives, is what allows racism to be accepted, normalized, and perpetuated. Huh, who would have thunk it? Institutions and policies make up the fundamental relationships and rules across society, which reinforces racism and gives it a societal legitimacy, which makes it so hard to dismantle, i.e., the police force. Last vocab word, I promise, racial trauma. Racial trauma is a traumatization that results from experiencing racism in any of its many forms. Importantly, this doesn't have to be one major isolated event, but rather it can result from an accumulation of experiences like daily subtle acts of discrimination or microaggressions. So, now that we have the basics, we're going to move right along into how mental health is affected by those previously mentioned things. So first and foremost, I want to say there's a lot of reasons that um, people of color, black people... What was I? Indigenous people and people of color. um, There's a lot of reasons that people from different cultures don't go to therapy. But I want to... I feel pretty confident in saying that a primary reason outside of stigma that people have towards therapy... I think one of the primary reasons people don't go to therapy is because they want to feel heard. And they want to feel understood. And they don't want to feel like they're crazy. And they can't really get that feeling if they don't relate to their therapist. I'm being really vague right now. That was my, my politically correct answer. There's not enough black therapists. There's not enough indigenous therapists. There are not enough therapists who are people of color. And that is just the the very first reason that people don't go to therapy. They don't, or they go and they never return. They might go once and never go back. Um, they say it's not for them, or they just feel uncomfortable with therapy because they can't find a therapist who relates to them and understands them, or who isn't saying some racist shit unknowingly to them. And so that's why as counselors, we learn a lot about cultural competence, but of course, reading it in a textbook and then moving on to the next unit and actually practicing cultural competence or experiencing something that your client has also experienced, like that's completely different things. And so lack of cultural competence in therapists can definitely lead to the disparities in the services that Black, Indigenous, and people of color receive, so, not only do clients feel disengaged from their therapist because they can't relate just on a physical level, like you don't look like me, so how can I trust you to understand me or trust you with what I'm gonna tell you? How can I be vulnerable with you? But it gets even deeper than that because if the counselors are not culturally competent, then they might easily misconstrue some of the behaviors some of the symptoms, or some of the language that their client is using. So a good example of this would be um, in the Hispanic community. From my experience, I'm not going to speak for all Hispanics, but from my experience, uh, older Hispanic people will refer to any almost any form of mental health problems as un ataque de nervios uh okay literal translation means a nervous attack but so they're telling you like they're word for word saying oh yeah he had a nervous attack or like a panic attack but then they're really describing someone that was full-blown having a conversation with their hallucinations like whoa okay see so now if someone let's say sally who took spanish 2 in undergrad thinks that she can do spanish therapy but she doesn't have that cultural background of mental health in spanish then she's not going to understand that they're really talking about hallucinations and not about panic attacks and so this example can be changed to fit any culture anybody who is black indigenous or of color or whatever language you may or may not speak but that's just one example of how a lack of cultural competence you can be textbook smart you can read Mm -hmm. about it but if you don't truly understand it and grasp the concept and you on top of that you can't even empathize with your client then that's just a flat out lack of cultural competence and it's just not gonna work and that's one of the reasons that black indigenous and people of color receive a poorer quality of service another example and this one just this one is hard to take in so mental health america on their toolkit they use the example of black men Having a extremely high rate of being misdiagnosed with schizophrenia, so just for starters, if you're not familiar with schizophrenia i 'm going to give you a background. I work with individuals with schizophrenia, more so on the severe spectrum. Someone can be schizo- have schizophrenia, excuse me, um, and you might not even know it they'd be able to like take their medicine, live their life, go to therapy, whatever, and you wouldn't even know it. but there are also symptoms that are characteristic of schizophrenia that are pretty severe and pretty obvious um and so that's why it's only one percent of the united states of the american population is diagnosed with schizophrenia and so just to give you a, a better clearer picture of what schizophrenia is this is like when you see people talking to themselves but they are not thinking out loud. They're actually having a full conversation and responding to themselves. These are individuals who see things that are not really there, hear things that are not really there. Individuals who have some extreme paranoia, they might feel like somebody's watching them, they might refuse food because they think you're trying to poison them, and so on. That's just a a few of the symptoms. It it can vary. Not everybody's going to have the same symptoms, but just to paint a picture. And so the toolkit... From Mental Health America shows us, if I can find it. Okay, it shows us that black men are greatly overdiagnosed with schizophrenia. They are four times more likely to be diagnosed with schizophrenia than their white male counterparts. On top of that, black people in general are significantly more likely to be diagnosed with schizophrenia alone when a mood disorder is also present than white people. First of all, to even diagnose somebody with schizophrenia, you have to rule out other other disorders. So like the way we do diagnosis as therapists is you have to rule things out. So before I can eat let's say I have a client come in and they're acting pretty erratically, they have some hallucinations. Before I can even give them a severe mental illness diagnosis, before I can even say they're schizophrenic, or they have schizophrenia, I have to rule out that their psychotic symptoms are not being caused by a substance or an illicit substance or a drug, whatever. I have to be able to say for sure that they didn't just take a molly before they came to my office or just smoke some spice before they came to my office. So the fact that black men are being diagnosed four times more than white men, that is preposterous. And so what the statistic that Mental Health America is sharing with us, makes it even more, it's like adding salt to the wound is that it's just saying that therapists are flat out neglecting mood disorders. So they're not even checking for depression, which by the way, depression can cause people to have psychotic symptoms at very severe levels. Depression can cause you to hallucinate, but no, apparently therapists are just saying, nope, bump that. We're just going to go straight to the extreme and give them schizophrenia. And so that's one way that racism affects the mental health services that people of color receive. For kids, it's even crazier. They start criminalizing these kids who are going through mental health crisis. And so Mental Health America shares with us that Black, Indigenous, people of color who are youth are more likely to be directed to the juvenile justice system than to specialty care institutions compared to non-Latino white youth. So basically, that's just saying that these kids are more likely to be arrested at a young age, be put in some type of suspension or be, ex- ex- oh my God, what is that word? Expelled. Ooh, that took a couple of brain cells from me. These kids are more likely to be suspended or expelled from school. Meanwhile, their white peers are going off to rehab or to residential treatment. Is that fair? Answer's pretty obvious there. Another way that racism affects mental health is that racism causes trauma. So when we experience trauma, number one, that is a stressful event. That stresses us out. It changes. It literally changes us. It changes us. It changes our perspective on people. It changes the perspective on the way people treat us or perceive us. It changes our perspective on the world, right? And so the thing about stress is stress is not just like, Something that you feel in the moment and then you learn to calm down or, you know, you relax and it's gone. No, it might seem that way, but at the biological level, that's not how stress works. As humans, when we get stressed out, we release a hormone called cortisol. Cortisol has been known to really cause some detrimental effects to our brain and to our body. So for black, indigenous and people of color, to be more specific, we have a higher risk of excreting more cortisol because we tend to uh, experience trauma a lot more often than white people do. And so this release of the stress hormone can actually lead to conditions like hypertension, heart disease. It can also increase our risk for depression, anxiety, and other poor health outcomes. So while discrimination is typically something that occurs frequently, the result of that frequent release of that stress hormone. And so that creates like a baseline of stress that we carry and we learn to live with. And that baseline of stress that's just always kind of high, but we know how to live with, puts us at risk for health conditions. And just with that being said, this racial trauma, again, I'll The definition basically says it can result from experiencing trauma in any of its forms. If you've been following my Instagram, I also talked about vicarious trauma. And so that means that I don't even have to experience a trauma firsthand. Just seeing what somebody else experienced can have those same effects on me. So watching these videos of people getting beat up, murdered by the police, people getting lynched, hung from trees in 2020, that stuff can have an effect on me. I can get PTSD from that. Or as we call it, in this case, it would be race-based traumatic. Traumatic disorder, PTSD. Race-based... Tra- I'm messing it up. I'll put a hashtag for it. Race? No, I want to figure this out. Race-based, race-based stress disorder. Okay, wow, the letters got really hard for me. Alphabet, all right. But yeah, basically, you don't even have to experience it firsthand like let's say i saw somebody go through a car accident and it was my best friend and i go to the hospital this is like my favorite example because it's very easy to understand i go to the hospital and i see her she's all cut up she's all bruised her car is totaled she can't walk for six months she broke her legs and whatever i don't know and now i feel some type of way when i get in a car like i'm scared. I'm paranoid. My heart starts beating fast. I get really uncomfortable. I start feeling like the car is closing in on me. That's that vicarious trauma. And so as it pertains to race, basically systemic racism can create traumatic experience or stressful barriers that increase the risk of mental health conditions. So some examples of how Trauma and racism affect mental health. Again, this one I posted on my Instagram the other day. It's so hard to believe. Black people make up 30% of the prison population in the United States. That's damn near 50%. But black people only make up about 12% of the U.S. population. The math ain't mathin'. It's just not, how is that, it's not a coincidence. It's not black on black crime. It's not like black people are just inherently bad. Like, no, it's just the cops are only going to the black neighborhoods. The cops are only policing the black people. That's what that is. And there's so much research done to show that black people receive the maximum minute min- There's minimum mandatories that people have to receive, and black people always get the max, well not always, but in many instances, they get the maximum when compared to their white counterparts who get let off more easily. Another example is that funding for education is based off of tax dollars, and well, if we're not putting money into our communities of color, then we're not going to be getting a lot of tax money and if we're not getting tax money then the schools in the communities of color are not getting money either when people want to buy homes or buy cars there has been research done on some pretty popular banks in america If you see what i did there um where black people indigenous people and people of color are receiving interest rates that are absurd Absurd, unheard of when compared to their white counterparts. So it's almost like they're literally like trying to find any other way to make life more difficult, to set people up for failure just because of their skin. And so as you can imagine, all of these barriers that are just kind of deep-seated into our system and our economy and our politics and the way we run our country, they make life kind of hard. And then on top of that, we have racist bigots who are just out here being ignorant and aggressive and violent and nasty and evil for no reason, just making life even harder. So with all of that being said, I know that was a lot. But it gets worse for individuals that are in the LGBTQ plus community Um, Their statistics are even worse. It is really sad. They have even less access, even less resources for mental health and substance use. However, they are more likely to screen positive on all screens or assessments for alcohol or substance use disorders, anxiety, depression, eating disorders, even psychosis. They are more likely to experience those and at a higher rate. It is scary. And I don't want this episode to leave off on a heavy note, but I do want to promote change. I want this to be like a stepping stone where you can share this episode or share something that you learned on this episode or even go ahead and Google. I'm not, by the way, I'm not getting like sponsored or like I'm not getting any type of money or promotion for Mental Health America. I just felt like they had a really awesome resource and so I'm sharing their Information, But whether you share this episode or my Instagram account with someone so that they can learn something or even go and Google the Mental Health America um, BIPOC Mental Health Month toolkit and learn some stuff from there, whatever it is you want to do. They even have some awesome uh, social media graphics that you can share on your accounts. But I just really hope that you guys take this episode as a learning experience, whether you are white or you're not. Um, hopefully you've learned something from this episode um, and you can share that with somebody else and I promise I'm going to try to not be so like deep and dark and like sad but that's the reality of it everything is not butterflies and rainbows all the time unfortunately this is real life this is shit that people are actually like living through and going through on the daily and I feel like the band-aid has been ripped off and we're starting to see it a lot more in our culture Because of everything we have going on right now with Black Lives Matter, with George Floyd, with Breonna Taylor's murderers still not being arrested. There's a lot going on, but I really want to capitalize on the fact that this month was made for us. This month was made for us to talk about mental health, to destigmatize it so we can work on improving ourselves and then work on improving one another. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Again, I'm not getting paid for any of this crap. I just love to teach and to talk. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy this. Share this episode with a friend and you'll hear back from me soon. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Goldmind Talks. If you'd like more information or want to continue the conversation, follow us on Instagram at goldmindwellness or check out our website goldmindwellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Have a great week and we'll see you next episode.